2: fans, welcome to the Paracel Podcast on a Monday. It's been a crazy seven days since last we talked to you here on the Harvey Hyde show. But I want to uh, catch everybody up on what's been going on. Crazy seven days, like I said. So we're going to talk with the coach, Harvey Hyde. You can follow him on Twitter, at Coach Harvey Hyde. Or go to his website, HarveyHyde.com, for all of his content. And if you have questions or comments, and you guys sent a lot this week, again, which is great. We love it. Podcast at USCfootball.com. That's the email address. Send us an email. Tell us what's on your mind uh, and questions, comments you have. You can also call or text us at 424-254-9141. We got some text messages today. We got some voicemails. And if you happen to have uh, an Apple device, go to your Apple podcasting app. It's the most popular way to listen to podcasts. Well, we can listen to them a number of different ways. But if you have that one, leaving a five-star review does help us greatly. So we'd appreciate if you would do that because it does help to grow the show. All right. Well, let's bring in the coach. Harvey Hyde. Coach, how are you doing today, sir?
1: Buddy, I'm doing pretty good. I, I tell you, I'm going to tell everybody to buckle up because I don't know what's going to happen right after this show. But last <laughs> week's show, <laughs> I'll tell you, within two hours after our show, there was a lot of things happening in the football program at USC. So what we'll do is if you want we'll sort of recap that and then what I think about that and everything else and I know you have a million questions so rather than you and I just talk let's get after it. Welcome everybody to the show.
2: Yeah, welcome everyone to the show. Yeah, you're right. Like Coach said, we po- posted the show basically coach blasting USC's effort against Stanford and then within a couple hours Mike Bone announced on Twitter that Clay Helton was fired. So we're going to we're going to that sort of recap what's happening. Dante Williams being promoted, USC going on the road, getting a win, backup quarterback, all that stuff. Uh, Before we do, I just want to let you know we have a new sponsor on the podcast, uh, Home Field Apparel. And this is cool. So if you guys seen the Home Field Apparel um, out there, they have this kind of vintage premium. uh, It's a premium collegiate apparel brand, uh, really comfortable, officially licensed apparel. And it's like vintage college designs, coach. So really cool looking stuff. And they are announcing that USC the end of this week they're going to have the USC line come out. So they did 16 weeks in a row. Their big new Saturday, um, they're launched a new school every week. Well, this is the last week, and USC is the final week. So there was a big launching. Uh, so by the end of this week, um, you can get your home field apparel, uh, you know, home field apparel for USC, which is really cool stuff. If you look at some of their uh, social media; they they actually promoted it. On social media today, a lot of USC fans were very excited. Um, So they'll go through the archives of the history of, like, the USC Trojans and then find, like, unique logos, mascots, and moments. And then they make these really thoughtful designs about the Trojans. So people have been waiting for this for a while. Uh, A lot of other schools have done it. So um, really comfortable stuff. If you ever tried any home field apparel, it's really comfortable. It's great. Uh, And there's also a promo code. So any new customers are going to get 15% off their first purchase from Homefield, So use the code USC football. And when you check out at homefieldapparel.com dot com, the promo code USC football and you get 15% off. So hopefully you guys can take advantage of that. We'll post something on USC com as well. So you can get all those links, but coach, I think you'd like it. The vintage stuff is uh, pretty cool.
1: Well, Ryan, I'll tell you what, the, when you do your tunnel vision and everything, wear that, wear it. Tell them you need a couple of shirts, uh, one for Keeley and, And you and whoever you have on, and so people can see it during your uh, podcast.
2: I like it. Yeah, they're gonna, we're gonna get some stuff. So, uh, it's like they said, launching this week. And, uh, yeah, hopefully you guys can go check it out homefieldapparel.com, promo code USC football. Okay, so, uh, we have some news, coach. We'll start with the small one first. We get this question a lot people like, where's Keenan Kristen? Where's Keenan Kristen? So, USC put their notes out, um, you know, for early this week. And it says Keen Kristen was removed from team activities. So that's just a note, just to let everyone know he is not with the team right now. We don't have any details. Uh, Dante Williams didn't go any details about that. So we'll see what we can find out this week at practice, but we get a bunch of questions about Keen Kristen. I just want to let people know, but the big news, obviously, you know, within a couple hours, Clay Helton um, fired. And, you know, we've, we've kind of got gone over this with everywhere else coach, but, we haven't got to talk to you about it, so if you want to give us some early thoughts on how that all went down and uh, how crazy that was.
1: Well, we talked about it uh, a lot last uh, Monday, Ryan. Basically, my thoughts was, uh, and, I, and I think I said this, a change had to be made in some way as far as for the public, for the media, for uh, the football team, the whole thing. It wasn't going in the right direction, and there is that period of time where it's time, it's time. And uh, I think in the best interest of the players and the program and even even Clay Helton himself, that sometimes, you know, it's time to make a change. I know he was hurt by it and so on. It's not easy to get uh, lose your job, especially a job like USC. But he's been there for a long period of time. He's made a lot of money. They've given him really uh, everything in his power to be successful. It just hasn't worked in the standard of what USC expects and the people expect. So that was coming. We knew that was coming. People have talked about it. Even it wasn't fast enough or early enough. It should have been done last year, whatever. You know, I never advocate firing and removing of coaches, but there is a time when changes have to be made. So that happened, and uh, it sort of, I don't know if it shocked the world or not. I think it shocked the world because it was done on a Monday, and it was released so quickly that a lot of people, even Dante Williams, didn't even know it was happening until he was told. And uh, and in, in in a way, uh, I think that it's 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 been something that is needed, and and it's a fresh start. I mean, I don't know if Dante will be the head football coach. I'm not saying you that he should be, but at least he can get some things in order, which should have been in order for a long period of time. Keely came out with a great release, and I want to congratulate her on some of the things that she uh, wrote in her article. And it, they are things that I've been talking about for five years, right? And you know that as far as how you wear your uniform, how you wear your socks. I mean, if you're on time, the hoodies, the this, the that, and all the different other things that you, I think, that represent the university as far as people on and off the field, the way you look, the way you act, the, you know, the way you talk. I think that's something, and I've been quite critical on that. And also the social media portion sometimes they have been quite critical on that of what they send out. So I think, and I wasn't aware of some of the other things such as late to meeting and uh, nobody did anything about it or, or, you know, and the first thing he said was take your hoodies off and your hats off and be here on time, or you're not going to play and late to workouts in the weight room. All of these things, you know, I used the term, if you remember termites, you've got to get rid of the termites in the program or eat it up just like it'll eat up a house. And also I wasn't aware that the players were walking on the FC logo. That's a tradition there that nobody walks on the FC logo. That's all things that are part of the tradition and being a Trojan. And uh, he put a stop to that immediately. And uh, I'm proud of him to do that. He's not afraid to do that. Like I say, he's their buddy. That's why he was named a head football coach, because he's a great recruiter. He has a great relationship with the players. They respect him, and when he comes down with these type of things, and you know the way he started his meeting, I can't say it on the air, all the BS is through here. And I think that's the first notice that you needed to do in the program is get the players' attention. And he did that, and I think that's what's important. Now, he can't do everything in one week. One week what he did accomplish was to go to Washington State, win a football game, lose his starting quarterback, come back, handle it like a man, handle it like, hey, they'll be ready to play. I expect them to be at practice. No wishy-washy answers, just this is what it's all about. And I think he's respectful for the media. I think he's doing a great job as far as a young guy that hadn't been a head football coach. And I watch for him to grow. I watch for him to grow and learn. If he doesn't become the head coach at USC, then he will probably in the near future become a head football coach because of the great experience that he's had at USC and how successful he may be at USC, which he could be very successful with the schedule they have this year. So he has a lot on the line and he's excited about doing it. He finds out what it's about to sit in the big chair. I've already always told my assistant coaches, you don't know what it's, you don't know what it's like to sit in the big chair. You sit in your office and you work on a certain phase of the game, but you don't know what it is to be in charge of everything. And he's finding that out. He's finding out it's not an easy, easy job to be at media uh, podcasts and be at press conferences and be in offensive staff meetings and defensive staff meetings and then be at game day and make the decisions on the offensive side if he can and the defensive side of the, of the ball if he can. And he's going to make some changes on the offensive side of the football. He, he is embarrassed. I think everyone is embarrassed when a USC football team rushes for 26 yards. There's no way in Heck you can accept that. It's the same old story every week. Everybody's getting tired of that. You don't win championships by doing that. All it is we're gonna run the football, we're gonna run the football, and you can't run the football but you don't know how to run the football. Hate to put it to you that way, but that's exactly it. that's the thought. And I think he's gonna to have to have a meeting with graham harrell he's have to sit down and say either you start running the football and bring into me by noon today the series you're going to put put in you might have to drop some passes out but we're going to run the football with play action pass move our pockets so we don't lose another quarterback but you've heard me talk about this every year you're going to continue losing quarterbacks because of the type of offense you running they know where he is they're going to go after him and they've done that even the, the knee of a Jackson Dart. I mean, such he's a he's a courageous guy, and I think the whole team played up to that. Seeing that he would play hurt, not brought out of the game, that he would not come out of the game, and I think that brings the fire in the team to say we're going to rally around this guy. This guy wants to play. We're going to raise our level. If I'm six three, I'm going to play six four. And these are the type of things you have to have. So I think that he has to make some decisions on the offensive side of the football. They did do some better things as far as in the red zone and different things. They became a football team in the second half. They scored forty five unanswered points when they could have shut it down and they didn't shut it down. I think this is a a something there that shows a difference between the Trojans now and what they may have been. not that they would have shut it down under clay held. But they had a new spirit. They had more discipline. They knew what it was about. They were, you know, I saw him walking along the sideline, getting people off the bench that were just sitting there. He was part of the game, Dante Williams, part of the game. I saw a quarterback come off the field and start ripping on a receiver because he ran the wrong route. That's what you call leadership. That's what you say, get your, get my attention. Do what you're supposed to do. We just wasted a play. And you heard Dante Williams admit that I I should have called a timeout. It cost us an interception. So everybody's living up to who they are and what their mistakes are and talking about what we need to get better at. But but I'm going too long, but let me just stop it by saying he is for his first week. He could not have accomplished more in six days. In six days, he he went on the road game. He won that game. He came back and now he's working on his first home game.
2: I, yeah, I agree with you, Coach. I thought you would like, uh, and, and you're right, Keely Orr did a great job. Uh, she posted that article, talked to a lot of sources about really what was changing, and it was about accountability. And there was a lot of stuff that was going wrong in the program or just not the way it should be, buttoned up, players being late for meetings, you know, wearing just whatever they wanted. I mean, it was funny. Even the, the press conference we got to talk to Dante Williams last night, um, Jackson Dart, you know, the quarterback, the hero of the game, was wearing sleeves and he didn't want him to wear sleeves under his uniform. And, and he said that, and he fumbled and basically said, you know, don't wear sleeves and maybe you won't fumble. Um, even though the guy was a hero of the game, it just seemed like he stepped up the accountability. And obviously a lot of fingers are going to be pointed, like, why did it get like this? And I think anytime you change, you're going to make, you're going to come in and there's a, you know, a a change in leadership. The new leader is going to come in and do things, you know, his way, Some of the stuff though, coach, for someone that's never been a head coach before, like you said, never sat in the big chair, just seems like common sense stuff, similar to like when Mike Bone came in and just made some common sense changes that if any one of us was the athletic director would make sense. But for some reason, the prior athletic directors, it didn't make sense to. And for some reason for Clay Hilton, some of this accountability stuff just didn't, whatever, wasn't a priority, didn't make sense. I'm not sure what, I mean, he's been there around a while, maybe he just kind of let it become lax over the years, but uh, I, same thing. I gave uh, on tunnel vision last night, they asked me about like, how would you grade out the job? Dante Williams. did. I'm like, I, I mean, it's a a plus I like, got, what else could you have done in those six days that he didn't do? Um, and I, you know, you expect more. And I love the fact that he took accountability and said, here's what I screwed up and I got to do this better, uh, which is completely understandable. But yeah. Coach. I mean, it was, they count, you know, changing, the culture isn't easy and just be hiring new assistant coaches. I don't think changes the culture because it still comes from the top. Now you got a new guy at the top and it looks like the culture is changing.
1: Well, he's going to ask accountability, not only from the players, but from the entire staff that goes all the way down to the equipment room, all the way up to the recruiting coordinator, everybody, managers, and the whole thing. When you're a part of a program for a couple of years, you observe what you don't agree with and you see it, and you put it in your mind. You might not bring it up because you're not the head football coach. But you and I and other people that have been around the game of football recognize these things. You see me at practice. You see me at games. You see me looking at the things that I think that are important. And if these things aren't done, then people around the program really don't know what's important and they shouldn't be there. And it goes back to people that are part of the program that are I'm not blaming it on Mike Bone or anybody else. But if you've been in a football program that has the things that are necessary, you know the tradition of the university and you know what people expect. And uh, they weren't getting that product. And that's why the people booed at the last game. The people were fed up with the whole package. And that's why finally, finally Mike Bone had to make a move. Uh, and he got the approval from Carol holt and, uh, and I'm glad she did because uh, there would have been a lot of trouble going on.
2: Yeah. Uh, well, then there's the game. Um, so USC goes up there. Down 14, you know, Dante Williams and some of the coaches and players talked about maybe ever got the guys were pressing a little bit. Um, and then things turned around 45 straight points. And, you know, obviously Keaton Slovas gets hurt on the very first series of the game. Uh, the defense looks sort of like wishy-washy and like they, they did against Stanford. But they fixed that, got some sacks, um, USC scored points. There was a defensive touchdown again, like you saw in week one. Um, what are your, we have some questions on it, but what, you know, what are your thoughts on, on the game and how the team played?
1: Well, I think the team, uh, plays hard. Now the plan i have never, I've never said the team doesn't play hard. Okay. I've always said, you got to put the team in a position where by playing hard, you're successful. I've always said that you can play hard. And if you're not doing the correct things and you're not in the right position, as far as doing the things, no matter what you do, you're not going to win a, win a football game unless, Some freak thing happens, like the Trojans have experienced in the past where they've been able to win football games. I think there's things that need to be corrected on the defensive side of the football. And if you're a football coach, you know exactly what they are by watching the defense play. And you watch two weeks in a row, and I said it, you watch the first play of the game, the running game against uh usc it ran towards a, a a preseason all-american and went for a touchdown kicking him out not understanding how to play the position he's playing in the first play that washington state runs they run right at him the right way in the same type of play a big running game a game right there so i think there's ways you have to explain and get certain players doing the things they can do and not have them be thinking but playing football So I think there's a lot of things on the defensive side of the football that need to be corrected as far as technique-wise and putting players in positions where they can be successful and play their football game. You recruit them for a reason, so put them in a position for what you recruited them for and let them play. On defense, you really don't think that much. You get after people, okay? And on the offensive side, we've talked about that. Uh, We don't have to go over that again, but I think eventually he'll learn that we need to go under center. And uh, USC does have to have some type of short yardage philosophy where if you have a short yardage play in the yard or whatever it might be, you don't want to run four yards to get to the line of scrimmage. You want to be near the line of scrimmage before you start your play. So eventually you might be learned to put your quarterback under center and be able to run some plays out of the eye and power eyes and jumbo type of things with play action, pass which you need to do on any level as far as being a complete football program. And when asked that question way back, Graham Harrell says, we don't do that here. Well, that's not a good enough answer for me, okay? My answer is, well, you're going to start doing it. If I'm Dante Williams, I say, well, whether you want to do that or not, you're going to start doing that, or we'll have somebody else be the offensive coordinator. And I think that's the way he will get his respect from Graham Harrell I'm responsible for the offense. You're not. It's my offense as the head football coach. And there's got to be some changes made there.
2: Yep. And uh there's I think there's one thing that's gonna be constant, coach, going forward with uh Dante Williams, there's gonna be changes. <laughs> and uh he did what he could in those first six days and now we're gonna see uh this week. We have quite we're um we're going to talk about the, the quarterback situation a little bit too, but we have questions no, on let, that.
1: Let me, let me just interrupt you for a minute. Oh, go it's ahead. a funny thing, okay? Sure. I, I don't mean to read this, but it just came into my mind. Dante Williams played at Passing City College for a player that played for me, Tom Marr, tight end coach. He became the head football coach there. He played at Passing City College for me, then went on and played for the Denver Broncos and so on. He's now the, he was the head football coach there when Dante Williams went there. So maybe if some of the things we were doing there that Tom Mark kept, he remembers those things. When you have successful programs are the little things that make a difference.
2: That's really interesting coach. The connection you have, uh, to Dante Williams. I think he's the cousin of Chris Richard too. Um, so the former USC, uh, defensive back and was a defensive coordinator, like up in Seattle and stuff. Uh, he's still coaching the NFL, but, um, yeah, there's some interesting, uh, connections there, but he's, a uh, He's taking this one seriously, and just to see him in a suit after the after the game at the press conference. I, now, he got doused with Gatorade in the locker room, so he had to change. Um, but just little things like that, Coach, it seems to be working. I, I always loved when you would talk about you go out to practice and everybody looks like they're just walking through the motions, and you just change something. Like, okay, everyone doesn't look like they're into this. Like you've sent all your coaches, your assistant coaches off the field before you've done, you've mixed things up, whatever it is, you just do something different. And I feel like these players are responding well to all these little things that Dante Williams is doing differently.
1: You're exactly right. A team coaches, whatever it might be, can't take you for granted. You've got to sometimes remind them that uh, don't take things for granted that I can see everything. You might not think I'm seeing, you might not know what time I, I come in. You might not know, if I know you're in the office or not, or working, you might not know. But I do know these things, and I make my business to know these things. In recruiting, I used to sit there, and you hear Dante Williams talking about recruiting. He's a pretty good recruiter. Now I used to consider myself a pretty good recruiter. I would come into staff meetings, and I would say, Hey, David, what did that offensive tackle down at San Diego say? How are we sitting with him? And When did you talk to him last? His old coach was sitting pretty good with him. Uh, I talked to him a couple weeks ago, and I'm going to give him a call tonight. I said, "Isn't that funny?" I talked to him last night. He says he hadn't heard from you. In front of the whole staff, I said that. All of a sudden, that wakes up my whole staff, and they say, "Uh-oh." I mean, this guy is not sitting around. And I don't tell him everything that's going on in my life.
2: Yeah, you shouldn't. You, I mean, it's good that you and it's that's more accountability. That's more like, oh, I can't just say I called this guy. Coach could find out if I did or not, and I better be on it.
1: That's exactly right, and you better be calling him without me checking on it.
2: Nice. Okay, well, uh, why don't we, ta- we'll talk about the game a little bit more. we got to talk about the quarterback stuff. Why don't we take a quick break, and we'll come back, trying to make sense of everything that's going on around this football program. Man, the pac 12 is a mess, too, right now, especially the Pac-12 South, but USC at least looks like they're going in the right direction, but let's take a break, we'll talk about the game, we'll talk about the quarterbacks, and we'll talk about Who the next head coach could possibly be because we got a lot of questions on that. So back in a minute. All right, we're back here on the Peristyle Podcast. Coach, while we were talking, just to go back to the home field stuff a little bit. So it's not going to be released until later. They sent me the designs to, so I could see what they look like. Very cool looking stuff. Very vintage stuff. I think uh, USC fans are going to like them. I'm not allowed to share them, but I just want to let you know they sent them to me actually while we were recording. So uh, cool stuff there. Okay, so why don't we go to a question? This one's from L.A. Fred. And this, I thought this was interesting because we talked about 14 nothing, and it could have been worse. Uh, USC had a goal line stand and stuff. But L.A. Fred wants to know what was the turning point of the game. That goal line stand, when I believe it was 7 nothing at the time, uh, Jackson Dart coming in with his energy, the fourth down touchdown pass that was just prior to halftime, so that was the fourth and nine to uh, um, Gary Bryant, or the Washington State fumble on the opening second half kickoff. Uh, what do you think the turning point was? That's from L.A. Fred.
1: Well, I think L.A. Fred, I think all three of those are big factors in the game because whenever you can take the crowd out of the game, that's what it's all about. The crowd there watching the state is crazy. It's all students. They get crazy. They're having a great time and so on, and the only way they don't get crazy is you uh, turn it around and all of a sudden they can't party. They're watching it. They're in disbelief of what's happening to their team. In a way, Uh, they sort of beat themselves as far as going for it on fourth down that time. they got to be greedy. They would have been up 14-zip, but they went for a touchdown. Sometimes you get too greedy and go for it too many times on fourth down. And if you look at the percentages of of uh, what that works going on fourth down, it's not in your favor. So I think that's it, and I think the interception, I think the fumble recover in the end zone for a touchdown, it, in, it enlightens your team to see that all your hard work and what you're doing and different people are having success. I think all of that is part of what <clears throat> brings your team uh, back and turnovers, lack of turnovers, and, and creating turnovers, field position in the whole package. So I think that's all big. The big play to Grant uh, uh, to Gary Brandt at the end of the half was really exciting for people to see that happen. Nobody expected that to happen. A great pass at uh, post down the middle of the field. Uh just was... Uh, uh, a surprise it even ignited me I don't know Ryan how you felt but I said oh my goodness they threw the ball to somebody else not that Drake Lennon didn't catch a lot of footballs and I wouldn't throw the football to him but you got to let everybody know no don't cheat on me now don't cheat on me with Drake don't cheat on me with uh my outside receivers Washington or whoever I have in there please because if you do I'm going to burn you somewhere else so I like that. I think all of that stuff, the big plays, the turnovers, that when we take the uh, – or when USC took the crowd out of the game in disbelief in the third quarter, scoring four touchdowns in the third quarter, something they haven't scored a touchdown in in, what, eight games or something in the third quarter, I think made the turning point in the game.
2: Yeah, the the not scoring – I think a third quarter touchdown in seven of the last eight games. So getting four in that one was big too. But good, good question from – uh L.A. Fred, let's play a voicemail for you, Coach.
0: Yo, Ryan, fight on. This is Ricardo. I'm calling from Cologne, Germany, Southern California, native USC alumni. This is the first time that I have had fun watching the Trojans in I don't know how long. And I, You know what I really wanted to do was send a shout-out to Coach uh, um, Harvey Hyde because he had made the comment um, when I was listening to, to your podcast, I don't know, maybe, maybe like three weeks ago, that he had said that Jackson Dart looked like the best quarterback out there in training camp. No disrespect to Keaton Slovis, but, hey, man, he hasn't looked this good. Oh, Excuse me, he hasn't looked good the way that Jackson Dart looks good since his freshman year, man. So, hey, I'm excited again. Thanks for all the content. You guys put a smile on my face every day with what you all have, man. You're my cup of Southern California, my taste of home every single day. Thank you so much, man. Fight on.
1: Well, good. You hear the enthusiasm there, Ryan? Yeah, all the, the way Trojans from Germany. Are starting to come back.
2: All the way from Germany. So He's excited.
1: I am, and I'm excited for him to be a part of the Trojan family and get excited about that and listen to the podcast. We thank you very much. And yes, I did say that during fall camp when I watched him play out there and practice out there, and I made a statement. If you remember, Ryan, that if you put them all in the same jersey, you wouldn't know one from the other. You'd try to figure out which one the best one was and uh, Jackson just is more of an athlete. He's a bigger type of player. Uh, He can run, and uh, if they do run him, he adds a lot to the offense. If you notice, when he came into the game, they ran a quarterback draw, and he picked up like 10 yards, and another uh, another run he scrambled on, and and uh, yeah, if they add this into the running game, and this is what I do when I talked about a while ago, the running game, and they spread the defense and you have a quarterback that can do that stuff, then, uh, you know, you always take a chance of somebody getting hurt. Don't get me wrong. But when you teach him how to run and how to go down and do all these different things, you add so much to your offense. What what I saw out of him, and nothing against Keenan. I, I love Keenan. He's a great kid. He's done, The SC's had a lot of great success with him, but he's a quieter type of player. You see uh, Jackson Dart with that one stripe on his face and so on. So that means he's sort of an outlaw. Okay, what I mean by that, I want to be recognized on who I am. And I'm going to do it my way, and the players are going to do it our way, and we're going to win, and we're going to go out there, and we're going to get it done. And he plays like that. He plays crazy. He demands... uh, respect. And uh, if something goes wrong, he'll, he'll admit it and run off the field. But if something's not right and the player's not doing it right, he's going to rip his butt. And I think that's part of leadership. You ever watch Peyton Manning and these play, players play? And Brady or any of these players that are great quarterbacks, you better do it right. We work hard to win this. And when they give us something and you don't take it, then there's a possibility we just lost a touchdown. So I want to see that. And I want to see And the playing hurt was something that really showed me a lot. I mean, he wasn't going to come off the field because he might not never get another chance. He's, I'm not coming off. I'm not hurting. In the second half, they put a brace on his knee, and away he went again. And uh, so, yes, I'm not saying that, you know, who's going to start this week or any of that. And You do have uh, loyalty to your players and all of the bet, but I think Dante says it the best, and I should say Coach Williams says it the best. The best players are going to play, and whoever gives us the best chance to win is going to be on the field.
2: Yeah, um, and that's what we're going to see this week. Uh, Dante Williams did say that Keaton Slovis was going to practice. Now, he said that before. He said that with Nick Figueroa, but Nick Figueroa didn't dress out. Um, we didn't see him practice. So I, I don't know if he's going to be as forthcoming with some of the injury stuff, which, you know, it's going to be up to him what he wants to do. He also mentioned that, you know, it could be a problem for Oregon State if they don't know who the quarterback's going to be. Um, but we also got a text message about it and says, do you – think realistically, um, we could bench Keen Slovis due to the one showing of Jackson Dart, or is he too entrenched as the two-year starter and all-conference quarterback? Uh, He says, by the way, I'm all in on Dart, but I'm just asking if it's realistic. Uh, He didn't leave a a name on the text messages.
1: If if what is realistic, repeat that for me, please. If it's realistic
2: to bench Slovis for one good performance by Dart.
1: Well, I think you have to be realistic and and consider everything that's going to be going on this week. His attitude, is it a poor me attitude, or does he want to come back and be the starter? Is he going to go out there and act like he's a returning starter from the past two years? Is he healthy? Is he ready to go? Does he have the game plan down? Is the leadership portion of it there? How does the team react to him? Who does the team want in the huddle? Who does the team want on the field? You can look at all of that as a head football coach. And if you notice, he said he was going to decide, along with Graham Harrell, who's going to be the starting quarterback. It's not going to be Graham Harrell's going to decide it. Because he's going to figure out who best has the best chemistry with the offensive football team. And that's who's going to start. It's not going to be who started for two years or who didn't start for one year or this, that, or one game. It's going to be who's going to win a football game for us. Who's has the chemistry with my football team to motivate our players so that we have the best chance to win. And that's what's going to happen. At least if I was the head coach, that was going to happen.
2: Coach. One of the things he said on the conference call, Dante Williams uh, on the conference call last night was that they had planned to play dart anyway. So they were going to do some packages for him. And I thought it was similar to remember a few years back when Sam Darnold was going to get some packages, um, for Max Brown, you know, it could be goal line, could be short yardage stuff. To me, that felt like, okay, I think Dante Williams likes Jackson Dart. They're going to put some packages in for him. Maybe this is a a direction towards his his thought processes. He wants to go with the freshman. Um, I don't know, as a head coach, what do, what do you think of of that theory? Or what did you think of him saying that there was going to be some packages for
1: Dart? I think it's exactly what he's thinking that I was thinking. Uh, what's in the offense is not a total offense. It's one-dimensional. And uh, I think, and you know that too, Ryan. I don't know if anybody else, everybody, when you rush for 26 yards, you could run 26 quarterback sneaks or whatever, and you get more yardage than that, okay? Run 10 quarterback sneaks, and you might get more than 26 yards. That's embarrassing stat, especially for USC or any football team that's supposed to have quality football players as far as the running game and everything else and what you're doing. And I think he, that was impossible to get to all that last week. He was sitting in offensive meetings trying to learn the, the, the verbiage and how you call a play, but he doesn't know that. You can't figure that all out in one week. I mean, that's a very difficult thing to do. But he's going to sit down and find out exactly what he wants and says he'll say, now we're going to do this, now you put it into your language. Well, how does your language say, this is what we're going to do, whatever it is, do it because I'm going to call for it. And I want to see it during the football game. And that's the way he's going to go about it because he doesn't know the language that they use. It's impossible for him to learn that that fast. This is what I want as far as the series and this and that. Now you put it in your language and get it done. And as I said earlier, you do that as a head football Coach, and I say, you do it good with a lot of enthusiasm. Don't give me this locker room lawyer thing that, oh, man, you're messing up my offense. Do it or I'll get somebody else to do it the way I want it done. Yeah.
2: Uh, Okay, let's see. We have uh, another voicemail. Let me
0: play it for you, Coach. What a difference a coach makes. Anyway, uh, listen, I heard uh, Coach Williams the other day say that he was happy to be back on the sideline because being up in the booth, he couldn't really be in touch and communicate with the players. And he showed it right away. When number eight made that bonehead uh, out of bounds, that late hit, uh, he pulled him on the sideline. He was talking to him. And you could see the dejection in the kid's face. And right when he finished, he tapped him and he kind of motioned toward the field. It's like, okay, now get back out there. And and the kid's face lit up. And that, what I'm saying is any coach worth his salt would have known he had an assistant on his team that needs to be on the sideline talking to players being, instead of being in the stupid booth where he can't communicate. And that's why this guy had to go, because he was clueless on how to manage football. I love this show. I can't wait to listen to it every week. Fight on. Well, thank you. And thank God. Well, thank you very much.
1: Thank you very much. I didn't mean to interrupt you there. Gavelle
0: from uh, Pennsylvania. <laughs>
2: he he gets some you. pauses at the end, Coach.
1: <laughs> so I didn't want I didn't want to talk over him now. That's but, all right. uh But, uh, yeah, I agree with you 100%. That was a stupid play. You're not going to win championships with non-disciplined players. And that was a non-disciplined move. That was a move he did without thinking. He did think, but he still did it. And I would pull him off the field the same way. And I'd say, you better think about what you just did. Look where our team is and where it was supposed to be. Look what it just cost us. These other guys on our football team, look look up and down the sideline. They all had to pay for your stupidness. Look at them all. It, just look at what you did. I mean, you hurt all of us. You hurt me. You hurt the fans. Go look up at the stands. All these people saw you on national television do that. What do you think the NFL scouts thought about that? I'd say, just think about what you did before you do things, son. And I'd say, now forget it after that. And I don't want to see it again. Stand out, missed his play. And since I'm his position coach, I'd say, in the next play, get in there, and I'm going to watch you closely.
2: Yeah. Um, I, he said that before, coach, that he was going to – there's not going to be, like, set discipline, but there's going to be discipline. It's like, I might take you out for a play. I might take you out for a quarter or a game. It just depends on what he feels. Like if he feels like the person's just moping around, and like taking one play one is not going to help. But if you see the look in Chris Steele's eyes and you're like, he gets it, he's out for a play and he's going back in and he doesn't commit a penalty the rest of the way. I think I like that approach to the discipline. It's just, it, you don't have to say anyone that commits penalty, you're out for the rest of the game. Um, but you also don't want to say you're never going to get discipline. You're going to get something but if I feel like you get it and you're not going to do this again, then you can go back in. If not, then you're going to stay out longer. I, I think that makes sense.
1: It does. And again, we haven't seen that in the past. And again, you're now seeing it. That that's why you're noticing these things, ladies and gentlemen, because you'd never seen it in the past. And you wonder why it continued the way it was. And uh, these are the changes that are necessary as far as getting in into the uh, type of football program that USC people want, and if you're going to be successful, if you don't have discipline on and off the field, you just can't get it done. You've got to have that. People got to understand their roles in the classroom as well as on the football field, in the dining hall, hole in the bus when you're on, right on the bus, the way you ride right on the plane. Every single thing you have to have accountability. I used to tell my players, you never get a first, uh, second chance at your first impression. When we arrive in the airport, we want to look better than anybody else. When we get off the airplane, we're going to clean the airplane. Our manager is going to clean the airplane. We get leave the pl- when we leave the locker room at Washington State, we're going to sweep the locker room. It's going to be cleaner than when we came. And we want everybody to know that we are the best they've ever had there. And I think these are the things that are necessary to do. And if no one wants to do it, I'll do it myself. And these are the things and where you pass off messages that we want to be the best. And it's just not on the football field, but it's everything that we do.
2: We got a question from our buddy, Sergeant Strong. He says, well, now that Clayton is fired, do you think Dante Williams can right the ship and get these boys on the right path? I know we had a nice win against Wazoo, but they're not that good of a team. Also, if they pull off wins and say go 11-2 this season, do you think the administration would keep Dante on as the head coach full time? It makes me nervous. That that's what they would do, anyway. Glad we don't have to keep saying Fire Clay Helton. And we can move on from the stain if the uh, of the uh, Sark and Helton era. Okay, that's from Sergeant Strong.
1: Well, Sarge, you got to play one game at a time, like Dante says. You got to play one play at a time, one game at a time, and add them up at the end. Uh, for me to say at this time. If he should be considered as a head football coach, that's impossible for me to do because I want to see just how this team changes, how this team changes offensively, how this change, this team changes attitude-wise, the whole package. I'm not saying that he shouldn't be considered, but I'm saying you've got to wait and see because he's never been a head football coach before and a lot of these other programs that we're considering or they're considering as head football coaches we've been watching for years. So you've got to be able to evaluate and see what, Coach Williams would be be to the program and to be able to do that now is absolutely impossible. And you gotta compare it with what's available and all of the rest. So I can't answer that question. I want to wish him the best. I hope that they do have a great year where he would be in consideration, but to say if he would become the head football coach is impossible for me to say.
2: Yeah, I would I would agree with you, Coach. I I would say this. I think the administration is going to um make a good hire. Uh, I think they're going to hire the right person. I don't think they're going to hire someone that's not deserving. And I think that's what USC fans were worried about. And I don't think you have to worry about that too much. So Uh, this one's from Don. So he said the first presser in five years where a coach didn't congratulate the opponent and then say, we were playing for championships. What's going on? Fortunately, during the last two years, when Helton came on, I turned off my computer listening to the Georgia presser, JT Daniels sounded like a coach and USC's Clay Helton sounded like a cheerleader fight on with Jackson Dart forget USC just played three bad teams uh that's from Don okay not much of a question there but um any, any thoughts no before but we move?
1: <laughs> yeah just a little thought and take me five seconds to answer it that was a regular routine the same type of press conference every week and i think people got tired of of hearing it how how hard everybody played but we didn't play well but we got to get better we're going to clean it up i've I've got it down to a t i know exactly how to say it
2: yeah um and and i get it like people were i mean they were tired of it and i you know i mean we in the media were tired it was like okay you're not really saying anything here um you know what can you do so Okay, let's see. Let's move on to uh, text messages from our buddy Sheldon from Riverside. Hey, guys, love the work you do here. I have a question for the coach. Can you explain what it looks like for a head coach to get his personnel ready to play with the type of energy and confidence we just saw in the second half against Wazoo? We haven't seen that type of passion from the coaching staff since Coach O took over as the interim. Also wanted to point out, We haven't put up 45 points and only allowed 14 since Darnold's five-touchdown performance against Arizona in 2016. Thanks for the hard work. Uh, Ryan Keeley. Shotgun Coach, fight on Sheldon in Riverside.
1: Well, you know, you catch me cold with all of these things, but my immediate thought is uh, I would take the third quarter, edit it out as far as uh, just the plays, and put some crowd music behind it, and maybe even take 15, 30 minutes and play just the third quarter. Say, this is the type of football team we should be. We should score four touchdowns every quarter, and this is how it happens. Uh, Obviously, they'll break down the whole film position-wise with their coaches and so on, but you want them to see what you expect. This is what we expect. This is what we should do. This is the way we're supposed to play, offense and defense together, both turning the ball over, both scoring on the football field, doing what we have to do. There's different ways of, of showing a team as a group, hey, this is what it is. And, uh, and, and I, you know, I haven't had a chance to think about other ways, but there's ways of doing this. I mean, I've done it when we've uh, played so bad, I threw the film away, never showed it. I said, I don't I'm embarrassed. I had to throw all those copies of the films away because how bad we looked, I'm afraid somebody might get them. So we're not going to watch that because it's depressing. All we'd be doing all week is correcting, 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 not getting ready for our next game because we already knew what we needed to do to correct. So there's different things you need to do to inspire your football team, and that comes from years of experience and also knowing your team and knowing your coaches, and that's part of being the role of a head football coach. Yeah.
2: All right. Uh, This is uh, Earl and Torrance. It's formerly Earl of West L.A., so Earl's moved, I guess. Um, I would like to commend Mike Bone for making a tough decision that needed to be done. Finally, USC has an opportunity to resume moving forward. It'll be interesting to see how the staff performs and what will change in the 10 remaining games? Suddenly, I feel like we can beat UCLA again. Fight on a way to go, Mike Bone, Earl, and Torrance. Yeah, Especially after UCLA uh, got beat by Fresno State, which I think Fresno State's a good team. But um, sort of things switched around. Everyone was on UCLA, Coach. And uh, now I think they're going to be excited about USC again.
1: Well, it was a bad weekend for the Pac-12, and it was a bad weekend if you want to look at Southern California, not for USC, but for UCLA. You know, like I say every year, I like to see both teams play undefeated in the FC-UCLA game every year. Uh, That's not going to happen, but uh, it can show you what can happen if you don't come to play and you don't... Uh, And you do the things that Fresno State did to UCLA. If you watch that game, I don't know how many of you did, what they did is take away the two best things that UCLA did. They just took it away. They put people in the box. They couldn't run the football. They said they have been winning on running and rushing and so on and taking the load off of Robinson, their quarterback. And then on the defensive side of the football, where they've been strong with their defensive front, they just lined up at Rivers, and they just ran right at you time after time after time. And they beat them down. All the things they were strong at doing in the in the past couple of games, they took away from them. So immediately, yes, they had to win at the last uh, seconds on a long drive. But again, they took away what you do the best. The best thing to do is take away what the team does the best, and all of a sudden they start questioning themselves. And uh, I think that, uh, you know, U USC, like we said a moment ago, I mean, their future's in their hands. I don't think anybody in front of them, I don't think Notre Dame's look very good. I mean, they've won a couple of games. They beat a Purdue team that's not real good. In the last seconds, they beat Toledo. In the last seconds, they beat Florida State, and they can't win a game. Colorado State beat Toledo this week, so Notre Dame is beatable. Who it beatable on the schedule? Arizona State got beat by BYU. Utah got beat in the Home Depot by San Diego State. Who isn't beatable on their schedule? It's almost like saying if you don't go undefeated, there's something wrong. And I hate to put that pressure on a new football coach.
2: No, but you're right. It's uh, It sort of feels that way. Um, I mean, you, not knowing what was going to happen with the coach, you're like, uh, ah. But it's still an easy schedule. You, the entire Pac-12 South lost on Saturday. Um, yeah, so it'll be nutty. Uh, all right, this is um, – This is, okay, so Terrence from uh, High Point, North Carolina. He's class of 1994. Who do you think Mike Bone's going to go after as head coach? And will Bone fire Harold too? To me, he's got to go. That's from Terrence. Terrence, There's a bunch of these. Terrence, I don't think that Mike Bone's going to make a change of any assistant coaches or anything. It's really just going to be about what does Dante Williams want? And then after that, who is the next head coach? If it's not Dante Williams, who's the next head coach and what does that person want? So I think you let the head coach do all that. But any thoughts, coach, on the kind of guys USC could go after as head coach?
1: Well, first of all, you look at the assistant coaches, they all know that their jobs are in jeopardy and they all know they're gone except for possibly one and that's Dante Williams, okay? Uh, they all know that because they need a complete change there. And they all been in the business long enough to know that. So the new head football coach is going to bring his people in a front row, a front office. If they get the right coach, he's going to bring everybody. Everybody's his own people. Otherwise, he's not going to take the job, okay? Well, there's too much responsibility. We talked about that last week. Now, as far as the question of will he fire Graham Harrell, uh, who does Graham Harrell work for? Does he work for Mike Bone? Or does he work for the head football coach, Dante Williams? And the people will be watching this, if Dante wants to make a change as the offensive coordinator, Mike Bones has got to say, hey, it's your program. We'll go ahead and do that. But uh, And ha- which, how are you going to handle it? And he'd explain it to him. And that's the way it is. There's a door. So I think Graham Harrell ought to listen to this, Mr. Guru that had all these job opportunities and so on. I think that he should listen to this head football coach. He more or less is spoiled. He had his way with Clay Helton. Anything he wanted to do, he did. So I think he ought to know that there's a guy in charge now. Then you better listen to this head football coach. Nothing against Graham Harrell to the point of that you need changes. You don't recognize what the changes are, so you better need some help. It's like getting a little tutoring, okay? If your child can't do algebra, you get a tutor for her, okay? So this is exactly what the situation is because the Trojans are in a spot where they can have a very successful season if people are willing to make some adjustments. So I think that's the way it works. And, and if you're the head football coach, you've got to have that call and be able to do whatever you want to do.
2: Ray says, do people keep – Uh, Always looking for someone outside of California. If Dante Williams runs the table, why not let him have the job? Franklin Fickle, let them stay where they are. There's plenty of fine head coach types in California. Uh, That's from Ray.
1: Well, I'm not saying he can't be the head football coach. In California, you've got to look for somebody who's been successful and who can handle the USC job. Like I said last week, it's one of the top college football, top five college football jobs in the country. If USC wants that type of program, and it starts at the top. Now, if they want that type of football program, then they got to get somebody to be that type of football coach that knows how to bring them that type of football program. So, you know, in California, I'm not quite sure that answers the bell currently right now. So if you don't have it, you're not just going to hire somebody from where they're from. You want to try to hire somebody from the West Coast, obviously, because they have contacts here, and they recruit it, and then when you ask them to get on the 405 freeway, they know what the 405 freeway stands for and where it goes. And they have coaches, when they walk in the coach's office, they say, how you doing? They know each other. But the farther you go east, you just got to look at, see, how many of these coaches have really recruited Southern California, and will it be an introduction when they come here? Or will it be somebody that knows the road, knows the people, and people uh, take him in and want him to be successful?
2: Yeah, and I, I'm not looking at like states. You're looking at like who's the best coach. You know, I don't care where he's from if he's from uh, Germany, like our first voicemail caller, or if he's from Mexico or from Louisiana or Oregon. I don't care as long as they're the best qualified head coach, and that's all I would be worried about. Um, okay, Frank in Sacramento. He wants to talk about Dan Mullen. Uh, this guy should come to USC. He would beat everyone, including fellow SEC coach Super Mario at Oregon. Um, yeah, they gave, Florida gave uh, Alabama a run this weekend. Any thoughts on Dan Mullen, coach?
1: Yeah, I think Dan Mullen would be a great coach. <clears throat> when you can win at Mississippi State and win a championship and, and do what he's done at Mississippi State and be in great programs like Florida State and so on, he's a guy that's been there and knows what's going on. And I know a couple of members on his staff, and uh, I'm not sure he'd be interested, but he'd certainly be somebody I would talk to because he knows the game of football. And you saw the game that he gave Alabama in the championship game last year in the Southeastern Conference and what they did this past weekend. I mean, he's looking forward to playing Alabama again. How many people are looking forward to playing Alabama again? So he would definitely be a candidate. He's got a great personality. He's a good, good person, except he comes from a different part of the country. But he has people on his staff who know Southern California, uh, That uh, a couple of guys that even have played for me that are on his staff and different things. So, you know, he would be definitely a candidate. And you mentioned Mario, uh, Mario Cristobal. He'd be another candidate. Uh, I mean, uh, if you want somebody that knows how to recruit and you want somebody that uh, is a little Nick Saban, in the coaching world they call him little Nick because he's so aggressive and he goes after it so hard that I don't know if you would get him away from Oregon but I tell you what he's never recruited at USC he's rooted uh, recruited, uh, recruited against USC but uh, you know coming and maybe living on the beach in Manhattan Beach or Santa Monica and having a coliseum to fill up and recruit to one of the top programs in America you'd win a national championship a lot faster than you would at Oregon and uh, he's got a lot of great recruits that might come with him but I'm not saying They're going to go after him. And I'm not trying to say Dante Williams will not be the head football coach, but I'm saying these are the type of individuals that USC should be talking to. People of this class and this type of person that deserves the opportunity to be at USC. You want somebody that is equal to USC so that USC and them together can win national championships.
2: I agree with you there, Coach. Um, Speaking of Nick Saban. Uh, this is a text from Ian in the Santa Clara, Santa Clarita Valley. Georgia is arguably a top ten program. I wouldn't say arguably; they're certainly a top ten program uh, in the country. But two, uh, uh, he says, like USC, uh, not even close. Kirby Smart is a brilliant, defensive-minded coach. Uh, they absolutely manhandled Clemson, made them look like a subpar FBS team. You don't need to be from LA to qualify as head coaches. USC. He's making six and a half million a year. Something tells me eight million a year might bring him out here, make it happen from Ian. Real quick, Ian, if you're if he's making six and a half at Georgia and you're talking money wise, like giving him a raise to eight million isn't even a raise to go from Georgia to Los Angeles. That's a that's a pay cut because of the cost of living. Um if you're trying to give him a raise, raise, like now you gotta make more than ten million a year, I would I would guess. But what are your what are your thoughts on Kirby Smart, coach?
1: I think Kirby's a great coach, but I think he's, and he's a coach that's in it. He he coaches the game of football on and off the field all the time. But I think Kirby's not interested in coming or make changes in jobs. I think he's very comfortable at Georgia. He's got a great support group there. He's got a lot of great recruits. And I think he's very happy being where he is. I don't think he'd be one that would entertain the idea of coming out here.
2: Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, but, you know, so, Definitely, he's been really successful and uh, someone that, you know, you could look at. We got one last one. It's a little long. Uh, Jack in New Jersey. He said... Oh, I'm sorry. There's a short one first. Don't agents of coaches contact the school as well as the schools contact some of the agents? That's from Lloyd. I think, you know, talk about the head coaching search. Yeah, agents are involved on this for, for quite a bit, and they'll put names out there just to get their clients' interest and raises. So people that... USC might have zero interest in becoming the head coach if an agent comes out and tells a reporter, yeah, USC contacted my guy. Um, And they report that, and then the school, like, oh, crap, what if USC wants to hire him away, and then they give him a raise. And USC never even called the guy. So uh, any thoughts on all that, Coach?
1: Well, that's the agent's job, okay? The agent's job is to do the best for his client. And uh, if it is doing it that way through the media, saying, hey, they've contacted it," even if they haven't, or say they – my, my my coach would be interested in that position or whatever. That's the agent's job. That's why every coach has an agent now. Even assistant coaches have agents now. In the NFL, a lot of them in college. Because sometimes as an assistant coach, you're afraid to ask for a certain amount of money, while your agent isn't because he makes more money too. So that's what you're hiring. They're better agents than others. You've got to have some that can know how to get it done and it have contact with the media and how to get it done, as far as on radio and television. You ever hear the television co- commentators say, "Now this guy is going to be a head coach someday. This guy really does. He's going to be a head coach someday." Well, then, you know, where do you think all that comes from? Talking with their friends. Maybe if you threw that out, we'd really appreciate it, because he's trying to get a head coaching job. It's who you know, networking, the whole package.
2: Yeah, it's funny. On the, I forget. I think which game it was. I think it was. I don't know. There's there a game yesterday, and so for some reason, it was Gus Johnson. So it was a Fox game, NFL game. Gus Johnson's on there talking about um, Deion Sanders, uh, and
1: oh yeah, yeah. And they
2: mentioned him like I hear he's like a you know top candidate or something for the USC head coaching job. And I had so many people text me like, "What the heck?" Like, yeah, I'm like, no, I don't think that's true at all. But you know, uh, sometimes an agent will give a broadcast or something, they got to fill a lot of time. And then they say something like that, which, you know, doesn't make any sense, but, uh, I don't. there you are. So it's kind of funny, but, uh, that's, that's the way this all works. Okay. we got one last one and let's see, this one is from Jack in New Jersey. It says now that Clay has gone, we as listeners can have fun discussing who might replace him. Here are my thoughts for what they're worth. One Luke fickle. Known well by Mike Bowen. Hired him at Cincinnati. Doing well. Getting better every year. Good coaching pedigree. I'd agree. Uh, Brian Shaw. I think he's talking about David Shaw. Brian Shaw is a former Laker. Um, So if you're not going to get the coach's name right, I think we could eliminate him. Right, coach? But I I would eliminate him anyway. But here we go. Great coach who could win a national championship with USC's talent. Would bring back the discipline and hard-nosed football USC needs right now. Strongly disagree on David Shaw on that one. Uh, P.J. Fleck. I expected more from him. At Minnesota by now, so I'm not as high on him as I was three years ago. I do like his approach to coaching for Matt Campbell, doing a great job at Iowa State, but his track record is not long enough to warrant the job at this time. And then five James Franklin, he says no, no, and please no. Let's forget that he was out coached by Clay Helton. Please stay in Happy Valley and keep those fans miserable. Um, any any thoughts on his list? I would disagree on most of these. Well, yeah, I think Campbell would be higher. Franklin, just because he lost one game to Clay Helton, some USC fans just don't want to – I think he's a great coach. Uh, Fleck probably needs a little more seasoning, but I I would say no, no, no on David Shaw. But any thoughts on any of those names, Coach?
1: Well, they're all tremendous coaches. They've had their day. They still have their day. I mean, David Shaw is a well-known coach on the uh, uh, West Coast and nationally, uh, but I don't think he'd be interested. I think he's found a home there. And uh, I think he'd stay right there. There was a couple of years ago when uh, I thought he'd be a hot candidate for USC when he was having those great teams when uh, USC was still running the football. He'd have been perfect at USC, but that didn't happen. I mentioned it to a couple of people, uh, an athletic director at one time, <clears throat> and it didn't uh, it didn't phase him. So that's the way that goes. And uh, I think Jethro, uh, Jerry Frank, uh, Franklin, I think he's a Frank, I think he's a great coach. But that didn't really do anything for me here in Southern California. I think he does a great job. Why would you leave the whiteout that I saw, 110,000 people at, at Penn State? I mean, uh, <clears throat> I think that's maybe a little bit of a trying to get a pay raise. Uh, I know his agent. I know they're, they're getting the word out that uh, he really would be interested in the job. But, uh, you know, I think he's done a great job at Vanderbilt. I think he's been paid their way, uh, way really well i don't know why he'd want to move Uh, i mean uh, if he would i'd probably interview him but uh, i don't know what his knowledge is of the west coast and what people are like in the west coast and what our players are like in the west coast i don't know how many players he even has on his roster from the west coast i don't even know if he recruits the west coast so i'm not sure that would be good but he's had a tremendous program at penn state and he had a big win this past weekend over i thought a very good auburn team
2: yeah, that was a that was a big one. Um and he's I think he's got more of a West Coast personality than some of the other some of the other guys coach, but uh I yeah, I I more of I like Franklin, but I know just because of the that Rose Bowl and I wouldn't say that was an out coaching thing. That was a Sam Darnold thing. So, um yeah. Uh real quick before we go, we got the Pac-12 weekly uh performance awards. Um so the offense, offensive player of the week and freshman player of the week was USC's uh, Jackson Dart. So pretty cool there. Um, and the uh, defensive lineman of the week was Drake Jackson. So he's the one that got that sack and forced fumble uh, that USC scored a touchdown on. So USC getting their first Pac-12 how many win.
1: Tackles? How, many, how many tackles did he have in the game?
2: Uh, let me see. He had... The, Four tackles in the game. Wow. Yeah.
1: Okay. <laughs> that's what I call a good uh, sports information job. Yeah. <laughs> Tim Tesla did a hell of a job.
2: It was a splash play, obviously. Um,
1: Come uh, on, I really think he's good. he could be a great player. I expect more than that out of him. Okay, that's what I'm trying to say. I want a guy that's kind of, is that already said he's coming out. I want to see him disrupt everything. Okay. Yeah,
2: and uh, yeah, you know. I think he's starting he's he helped on one of the other sacks where they were uh, focusing on him uh, when he had dropped yeah. into coverage and I think it allowed allowed Kenai mm-hmm. Mauga to get the sack. But you're right. I think we want to see some more numbers from uh, Drake Jackson. All right, well, coach. You
1: know, I, I just think I just think he's good could have some potential to be a great player and great players make plays. And uh You know, yeah, he recovered that fumble or helped cause that fumble, but I want to see that happening all the time around the football. And, uh, you know, I'm just trying to motivate him and motivate the coaches to get him in the action more, not drop him away from the play, but put him in the play. That's all.
2: All right, coach. Well, good stuff. Uh, A lot of questions. Thanks for everyone for sending all of those in and, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, Wrap things up. We'll have Keely Yor on a little bit later this week. We got, uh, you know, USC is going to be taking on Oregon State. Um, So me and Keely will kind of talk about that game a little bit. They'll have a Family Feud podcast as well. Thursday night we'll do our Tunnel Vision. So more shows and everything coming up. Uh, All you can find, everything you want over at uscfootball.com. But great stuff, Coach. Thanks again for coming on.
1: Well, thank you very much. And again, this is just my opinion and our discussion. And again, we want to thank you for listening. And nothing's personal for coaches, players, or anything. But uh, it's basically as I look at it, if I was a head football coach, what I'd want out of what we have.
2: Sounds good. All right. That's the coach. Follow my Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde. I'm Ryan Abraham. You can follow me at Inside Troy. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast. And we will talk to you next time.